The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this woman that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host without any sound effects, Roddy Cat, and um, it's just me. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. You got me for tonight, so, uh, well, unless uh, one of the other guys uh, tends to make it somehow, but I think you just got me, so hopefully it's going to be a short show. If it's not, then wow. So, with that, um, you can find me at RoddyCat on Twitter. That's R-O-D-D-Y-K-A-T, no underscore. Thank you very much. And unlike my other co-hosts who do have um, <laughs> underscores in their name, there is uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, there's PC and underscore Dirt on Twitter, who also runs PopCultureNet on Twitter. Also, PopCultureNetwork.com and the subsidiary... Uh, I need comics.com. And of course, there is Tim, D O G G 98, aka Tim Dad 98, uh, at uh, Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter. He also runs the D Click Nation Twitter account, that's D K L I Q N A T I O N, and also the CB Cron um, Twitter, and of course, dclicknation.com, where you could find this show, or at least you can live if you're watching. And thank you for that if you do. And hopefully we will get back to putting up these shows on a fairly regular basis. Um, also, like I said, for myself, News Nerds Need on Twitter. And also CB Caps Instagram. And uh, my News Nerds Need Reddit. You want to check that out? You can find this podcast. Come on. Focus. Thank you. Uh, you can find this podcast on Google Play and iTunes. I don't know what's going on with my camera, but hey, we're gonna work, we're gonna pop with it. Which, if you listen to the audio of this, doesn't even matter. But you should come check out the video sometimes, because sometimes we saw some pretty decent things. Um, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you can go check us out there. The D Click Nation SoundCloud, you can go check it out, us out there. You can also go to CSPN.us, because we are on the, the coastal of the podcast network, and that's at CSPN.us. And uh, you can go check us out along with uh, other fine shows of uh, different varieties, or somewhat different varieties. It's a lot of good stuff, though, regardless. You should go check it out. And shop.cspn.us for some merch from this show and other shows on CSPN. You can go to that link, go check us out, and um, yeah, go buy some stuff. Go, Go help us out. Um, I will get to some announcements later in the show, but like we normally do about this time, I'm going to be talking about this week's comics, and like I said, I don't have any sound effects, so that's, that's one less thing I need to, um, to worry about. So, I'm probably just going to do a couple of these and then do rapid fire, because there's a couple of them I just kind of glossed over in the in the end, but some decent stuff regardless. Marvel 211 number 9 is the book I'm going to start off with at the top. 
um, the events of last issue, well, we found out that uh, Ben and Johnny were powerless, and they were hiding out still on Battleworld, which they've um, which they were trapped on thanks to Rockna and Doom leaving them. But they're also on the hunt from, or they're being hunted by the spider, who a couple of issues back said that he had some dealings with, ended up killing his, um, the Battle World version of Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, excuse me. And the uh, spider, spider was uh, not so happy about that. So yeah, he's been on a hunt from that, but he has really nothing to do with this issue or much on this issue because we found out that, um, well, we don't find out, but. Ben had been getting uh, Amadeus Cho to send out some universal, well, some multiversal message to uh, 616's Avengers or anyone else that could, you know, come try to help them get home, uh, which hasn't gone through. However, a fake version of the Fantastic Four from another, from another uh, multiverse happens to intercept said message in comes looking for our duo, uh, which leads uh, Ben and Johnny into a fight without their powers, by the way, because they've been uh, because it's been a couple of months since they've been stranded on Battle World, and yeah, they lost their powers because of their connection to uh, uh, Reed and Sue have been has faded. However, uh, they they hold on their own because hey, even without their powers, they still have their you know their battle sense, so they've. Um, they did pretty, pretty, pretty good for themselves on this one, and was able to get away from uh, the Mad Thinker, who was basically Mister Fantastic, and yeah, that, that whole thing was weird. Um, so there was a kind of a Doom-like thought to to Mad Thinker, but we're not going to get into all that because it kind of doesn't matter as much as the fact that Ben and Johnny kind of get away and uh, get into an issue. But at the end of the issue, that um, I would dare say that we are somehow closing in on FF number one, which came out last week. Um, but if you've read FF uh, Fantastic Four number one, then I don't know. It it might seem weird, kind of, because someone shows up that they've been looking for, or at least one of the people show up. Could be a version of the person, or could be them actually. Although we are led to believe it is actually a ver- the person that they're looking, one of the people that they're looking for, based on what I've said just a minute or two ago. So think back on that. But that was the end of the issue, so we don't know what's what's that about. And again, it it seems weird because of what happens in. Well, it's weird, but it's not weird. Because Fantasy Four, number one, you know, it—I mean—it doesn't necessarily tell you. Can you kind of figure there are some things going to come back into play, you know? Especially with, like I said, Ben and Johnny being powerless. So that's kind of a thing, and we find them back on Earth on that one. But we're not talking about that because we've already talked about it. So you can kind of put together. Um, some things from that, but it's weird because Fantastic Four number one kind of I don't know s- s- still has things in the same situation as they were at the beginning of 
Marvel 2-in-1, this series, this current series, sort of. Or at least from less what we've led to believe. But anyway, that is Marvel 201 number nine. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good um, issue. I enjoyed reading it. And I was kind of curious, like I said, after reading Fantasy Four number one. And I kind of wish the other guys were here because I'm curious as of their thoughts. Like, we've been talking for the last couple of months about, you know, how two on one is going to connect to the Fantastic Four coming back in that book. And Fantastic Four number one doesn't necessarily give any of that away. Although it kind of sends us down a road. But we weren't sure if uh, Marvel 201 was going to be a direct lead in to said that it could very well still be. We don't know. But the way it's doing it doesn't seem like it. I don't know. But they're definitely inching. They're definitely chopping it closer and closer and closer. So that's the thing we're going to have to keep watch on for the next couple of months. And now that I think about it, Fantastic Four number two is coming to come out next month. And we kind of already know what's going on. What's going to happen in that. So we'll see how they play that out. Uh, next on my list, I kind of wish I had graphics for this. Because I should have done that before now. Because some, some of these covers are great. But uh, Miss Marvel, number 33. This is one of my favorite books. I, I love Miss Marvel. And I always, I have since for a while. Since, it, since, hey, since the book started, let's be honest. Um, sorry, I'm doing some, um, some clicking here. If you can hear that. If not, great. Then I just told on myself. Um, but, yeah. Ms. Marvel is, is always a treat. I love Kamala. She's, she's an awesome character. And, and the book's just been great. Um, but in this issue, she is fighting... The shocker after after finding out, um, well, I said this last time, but it's not even that because her and Bruno have been kind of experimenting on the um, on her power set, you know, the weaknesses, the strengths, where you know, where the powers manifest from, how they manifest, that kind of thing, and they cause them to go haywire, and. Basically, is if you've been reading for a while, one of her weaknesses is like uh, either electricity or elect- is, is electricity and or shocks, um, real heavy shocks, kind of make her weaken her powers. So after the experimentation, the experimentations go kind of haywire. None other than the shocker shows up, coincidentally, and um, gives Kamala. A run for her money. You know, a low-level Spidey uh, villain. Shocker, yeah. But it's, it's kind of cool. It's uh, uh, I, I enjoyed this issue because they're, you know, Kamala's kind of trying to uh, wrestle with what's going on with her powers, but at the same time, she's trying to chase down the Shocker. And the Shocker's kind of made him, made himself home in uh, Jersey City, or New Jersey, I guess. It's probably Jersey City, more than likely, because they didn't go that far. And um, it would seem that the Shocker is a fan of Rube Goldberg, a.k.a. and also not a.k.a. but also um, Acme Contraptions because he sets up this elaborate thing in his above ground layer as opposed to underground layer. Um, that was pretty interesting. And if you've uh, 
if you've checked out my CB Caps Instagram today, you will see what that contraption looks like, or at least one of them looks like, because it kind of goes a little bit. But nevertheless, it's a good issue. And um, also, on the side of that, we see Bruno still trying to you know, get his science on, trying to figure out uh, what's going on with Kamala's powers. And uh, he kind of, you know, science. And science is not pretty, nor is it neat, let's just say. Because he starts off something that seems reminiscent of something that happened in the past with um, him trying to mess around with stuff. But we'll see where that goes. Um, Next book, though, since I am going down the line... Star Wars Lando Double or Nothing number four. So I believe this is the penultimate issue uh, of this mini series. We find a younger, aka um, pre solo movie Lando doing his Lando and, um, but he's doing it for money as well. That's kind of redundant. It kind of goes without saying, actually. So. Lando's being Lando, but he's trying to help out this um, lady who hired him to free her people from being enslaved by the Empire. Uh, he gets into a little trouble with the Empire himself, but he gets out of that in, in this issue and finally gets to uh, go and help out the people properly. And uh, as I say in my notes, uh, let's see, Lando deals with ice spiders before that, TIE fighters, which are basically. F- stiff flying spiders which probably not really but whatever and kind of sort his feelings for L3 his his droid which was a weird way to start off the issue while they're being chased by the Empire but hey it is what it is Um, but later on in the issue he has the most Lando of inspirational speeches that he gives to the people that are um, that are being enslaved which sets off Surprisingly, it sets off, um, you know, them trying to escape. Because you wouldn't have felt that something like that would have actually worked, especially coming from him. Nevertheless, it does. They're trying to get out of there, and um, that's where the issue ends. I should skip that one and come back to it, but I probably won't. So I will say Exiles, number seven. Now this was an issue because so if you if you are familiar with the exiles, um, it's a group of mutants most of the time. Um, oh, see a typo. Sorry, squirreled. Um, mostly mutants that are kind of out of time, and they're sent to fix. Uh, fix gaps or problems with the uh, the multiverse, which given the shape of the multiverse, especially after Secret Wars and everything else, it's still kind of crazy, but we're going to let that go, go past. Um, so, Exile 7 is kind of them starting off, well, they're in the middle of starting off their a new adventure because they have they fixed, they messed, they fixed one problem which ended up you know, as in true Exiles fashion, causing some, um, causing a death, or a death ends up happening, because, you know, 
the team historically kind of changes members every few, every now and then because you know, something always happens. But in this issue, we find this new team of exiles, or at least what's left of this new team of exiles, uh, back in the Old West. They meet up with an Old West version of T'Challa, whose book I would really like to see. You know, I don't know if this is, um, I can't remember what year this is set in, but I know it's 18 something and it's not, uh, 1842, I believe. If you remember that miniseries, or it's 18 something, I think it's 1842. I don't remember. Regardless, you know, it was the, the old West, um, version of the, the Marvel universe. So, or I guess you can go to those ones regardless, but, um, the rest of the team are there. They're looking for one of their members who got captured by a version of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Or so we are led to believe. Because what we come to find out in this issue is that um, even that said Brotherhood are serving this preacher kind of crazy person, kind of crazy version of uh, Professor Xavier, which seemed like blink or Blink knows of. Maybe they've dealt with him before, or a version of, a similar version before. Or maybe it's just because it was a version of Professor X, and they have dealt with, uh, well, yeah, previous iterations of Exiles have dealt with a version of Professor X being the bad guy before, so that could be the very reason why she was, you know, was like, no, not him! But, um... Our plan gets hatched to free themselves and the other Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. But come to find out they got captured, by the way, by a couple of old uh, members of Exiles. That being uh, Morph and um, Nocturne, if if you're familiar with the series. But also in this issue, in true Exiles fashion, some things happen. And some people get um, presumably dealt with, or yeah, and and including a thing that I was like that found me tweeting to Soledad Amin Ahmed. <laughs> um, why? Why did you do that? That's crazy. But you should read this issue, or if you're not reading Exiles, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty good book. I've always enjoyed the, the past iterations of, uh, or at least what I've read of the past iterations of Exiles. And, um, um, Saladin Ahmed, you know, does right by the, the past version so far, seven issues in. So you should check that out to see what happens. And I guess to see if, um, if, the exiles could have a new member, which we we found out already that they do. So, just, yeah, they also may be losing an, uh, another member. Well, they did already, but I mean, maybe possibly losing another in addition to. Anyway, I've said enough about that. Exile Seven, it's pretty good stuff. And now we get to uh, we go to the DC side of things with the only DC stuff that I've read this, this week. So if you've been following uh, Combo Chronicles for a while, you will know that I have been a fan of the, well, the Hanna-Barbera uh, books that uh, DC's been doing with the Future Quest stuff. But also, 
the DC slash Looney Tunes crossover stuff that they have been that they've done every now and then, or at least for the last couple of years. So we have four new entries into this. Um, I'm still trying to find one that that um, can be on par with the Elmo Fudd Batman one. I may have possibly found a potential. I want to reread it again, though, but I can't. I can't say it sure because if you've ever read the the Batman Elmo Fudd special written by Don King, Don uh, Don Don, excuse me, sorry, Tom. King, not Don King, because only in America. Um, that was a good book. Some people didn't like it, but you know, I enjoyed it. It was Elmer Fudd as kind of a hitman. He was going up against Batman. It was kind of a noir field. It was awesome. I thought, you know, your mileage may vary, but I enjoyed it. So, to start off with the the ones we have this time, we have Catwoman, Twee, and Sylvester special number one. So stop me if you've heard this one. Some witches, and actually I will go ahead and so far as to say that we're at this point rapid fire because at this point it's all been rapid fire for, for you know, because <laughs> I'm just me. I have nobody to bounce anything off of. So anyway, Catwoman, Tweety and Sylvester special number one. Oh, and I should point out, so if you don't know anything about these um, DC uh, Looney Tunes specials, so they're basically taking DC characters, as per stated, and mixing them with DCized versions of Looney Tunes characters. So, just like I said with the Batman Elmer Fudd one, you know, uh, Elmer Fudd was a kind of a hunter, well, he was a hitman, kind of, you might as well say. Um, and it was done in a noir field. Like, some of them have been done pretty well, some of them a little silly and not they've been varying in in quality on this one but they have at least touched on you know touched on references or whatnot so they've worked for reasons let's just put it that way so Catwoman Tweety and Sylvester goes like this uh some witches notably witch hazel clarion the the witch boy well he shows clarion the witch boy shows up but he's not much of a factor but a bunch of witches are at a um witch convention and they make a water cooler bet (laughs) um pitting i guess i don't i'm not, not it's not entirely clear what the exact bet is but it's something that pits cats versus birds I thought of for, for a minute, it was like, wait, is, are they talking about familiars or who's the best familiar or who's just dominant in general? But regardless of that, it doesn't even matter. A a bet is made oh, and things go in motion, which um, finds Catwoman coming across a falling from the sky, Sylvester. And yes, Sylvester does talk because, you know, what they do with these TCs, like they... The characters are still the characters are just DC versions of them, so they still talk and they talk just like they normally talk and act just relatively uh, like they j- normally would act, you know, in their own universe. And they're basically making it like, hey, these are part- these the, the little two characters are just a part of the universe as opposed to they're coming in from other. Although I think there was one book that had a Looney Tunes character come from another universe or something like that. I don't remember, but they basically blended the two universes together, or more to the point, brought the Looney Tunes characters into the DC universe. You know, 
in a sense. So Catwoman ends up finding Sylvester, who, you know, that's one thing. And Tweety ends up uh, coming across Black Canary because she's doing a thing. So you have these two opposing forces and they have to meet for the fate of the world. So, so Catwoman has to defend, um, has to basically get Tweety and get rid of him. Uh, Black Canary has to defeat uh, Catwoman and Sylvester, you know, for the quote unquote fate of the world of their species or their species types, I should say. So basically, if if um, Sylvester lost or if Sylvester got taken out, all of the cats in the world, or at least this is from what their understanding is, all of the cats of the world end up going away. And that apparently includes every being um, with a cat moniker or something like that. So Catwoman, gone. Uh, Catman, gone. Wildcat, gone. All those people, gone. So, and then, and the same goes for the bird ones, like, you know, Black Canary's also gone as opposed to every species of birds and anyone that's even calling themselves a bird, like Raven, you know, or named after a bird, or Raven, or Robin, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, this lends itself to being like, it first starts off with um, <laughs> um, Catwoman and Black Canary fighting amongst themselves and Sylvester and Tweety being Sylvester and Tweety. Uh, but they both called in backup, which means they called in heroes and villains from their perspective, you know, cat monikers. <clears throat> and it ends up being a big knockdown, dragged out, drag out fight for, again, the fate of the world, I suppose they were saying. So that's always fun. But it, it actually was kind of fun because you, you know, if you know the characters of Sylvester and Tweety, they're kind of being themselves as this other stuff is going on. Tweeter, Tweety apparently has no kind of chill. Um, Sylvester's actually actively still trying to chase after Tweety, you know, and there's a little bit of back and forth between that and, you know, the fights between Catwoman's crew and uh, Black Canary's crew, which goes on the whole issue and ends up being a very big thing. But then they decide to team up and take it back to think with the help of uh, Clarence the Witch Boy, they take it back to the purveyors of the bet. You know. And the story pretty much ends after that. But there's also a backup story in in this to which they do a they basically take do a Looney Tunes take. You know, it's in the Looney Tunes style, but there's another backup story that is sometimes a variation of the, the, the front story in a different way or something linked, you know, something with all of the characters or some of the characters, the main characters that are uh, playing off in this. So that's basically Looney Tunes version of, you know, either what happened or something similar. So those are sometimes are, are, are cute. Um, what happens in this one kind of escapes me, but it was basically kind of playing off of what happened in the main story. And all of these will have um, backup stories like that, so that that kind of says what that is. But that one was pretty... That one was decent. Um, the next one, Harley Quinn Gossamer Special Number 1. 
which finds so the gossamer is the big um, hair monster if, again if you're not up on your Looney Tunes you may or may not know this but who can't talk and has uh, big giant sneakers that's pretty much it he has eyes he has hands and lots of hair and big giant sneakers so he's uh, at the beginning of the issue he's in a crate an acme crate of course and gets washed ashore on um, in Jersey right before well, excuse me, right after a hurricane and he's found by Harley Quinn who takes him in you know, dolls him up. The, uh, there's a nice reference to, you know, there's the old Bugs Bunny cartoon where uh, Bugs Bunny ends up with in a castle with this mad scientist who created Gossamer. Uh, and they kind of play on some of those things, that, that some references in that to, to us, in a sense. Uh, they're being chased by this, what they thought to be this killer robot, which turns out to be not no so much a killer robot, but, you know, the the uh, creator slash friend of Gossamer trying to find them, but Harley is led to believe that it's the Joker because the the robot has this big Joker smile on him, so which sends them on a chase to to find the Joker and deal with that. And that in itself was kind of amusing because we find Joker in the midst of uh, trying to kill Batman and things happen from that and. The story goes on after that because it comes to find out that the Joker was not the one who sent that robot, and yeah, and Team Rocket's blasting off again. So yeah, there's that, and then the backup is um, again, again, a similar theme because it is actually uh, referencing the Bugs Bunny cartoon that I'm mentioning, where Harley Quinn ends up going to this, gets lost, and going to this castle where the mad scientist slash inventor slash creator and Gossamer live but it doesn't get to the hijinks that Bugs Bunny kind of, well it kind of does and it kind of doesn't, there's a lot of puns and yeah things like that so that one was okay um but the next one we have which may possibly, I need to reread this one again but this one probably might be my favorite of the four and that is the Joker Daffy Duck special number one, wherein <laughs> so Daffy Ducks is um, Daffy Ducks basically mad at Acme because they try, they won't honor his lifetime guarantee or something like that. I don't know, but he ends up going to Gotham it, to this abandoned or well, not abandoned, but to this Acme plant, uh, which. You know, so he can get his, you know, so he can talk to somebody because he couldn't. Comes across the Joker, who's basically often one of his his henchmen, and comes across Daffy, who he makes, who through some quick thinking, tells them that he's with the uh, henchman service, the Agni henchman service, and he starts working for the Joker. <laughs> Which you know, the comedy ensues from there because you know Daffy being Daffy goes to enact some a bunch of changes you know, in the henchman group. But then it gets to a point to where, okay, Daffy is, um, Daffy found out what a, one of uh, Joker's plans and he's not down with it, even though, like I said, he kind of was with it at first, partially because of the fact he was under duress because the Joker's were going to kill him when he found him. Regardless, uh, so Daffy goes into a plan and tries to foul up, uh, the Joker's plan, which he does, and Batman comes into the scene, of course, 
But there is a twist at the end that uh, sees Daffy um, in a predicament that he put himself in. Because, you know, Daffy just can't win for losing sometimes. So, that one that one was... Um, I enjoyed that one. It was pretty good. Uh, the backup to this one was... Daffy basically... Uh, going into Arth- uh, Arkham Asylum to try to reform the Joker, like he, which you know, yeah. The, think about that one. Daffy Duck is not exactly the most stable person, you know. Maybe not always has all of his senses, senses, but nevertheless, he does. There's a good reference between uh, from from um, the Duck Twacy. Uh, cartoon. I'm a I'm a Looney Tunes fan, so you know some of the stuff is good. So I've known about this. Like I don't know too many people who hasn't seen most of the old classic, or at least a lot of the old classic Looney Tunes. But there might be some people who don't know. So there was a uh, there's a reference to uh, uh, when Donald when excuse me not Donald Daffy played Duck Tracy, but not necessarily you know directly. But like I said, most of it is basically him trying to reform the Joker in a cell, and and there's another reference to. You know, Harley as Harleen trying to trying to do the same thing, but that gets that gets one and done. So, and again, like I said with the other ones, that's done in the Looney Tune style. So it is it's a thing. It's that like I said this this issue as a whole is probably my favorite one so far uh, out of the four books that came out this week from from that uh, from that uh, event thing. So, I, I enjoyed that. But the last one is really quickly, and this one I kind of skimmed, so I don't necessarily. Um, I I probably need to go back and reread this one anyway. But I kind of think I got the gist of because I was trying to read some a couple of books before um, before doing the show, which is slightly why I'm a little late. But regardless, and that is Lex Luthor, Porky Pig Special Number One. So, in the beginning, we find uh, Porky Pig who apparently had a business and he was on top and, you know, uh, and things were going well until a, which is some stuff that you can see in the news, kind of, you know, so, some thing happened and his business goes down and he's, um, you know, he's down in the dumps because, you know, he was up on high and now his business is just down because of, I think it was a hacker a hacker issue and his chief of security and something, you know, some things happened which caused him to lose his business because you know, he um, he, he had to take an L. So he's been down in the dumps and he's working for in his restaurant and comes across and gets a job from Lex Luthor. So who I think knows about what happened, you know, I mean, it didn't seem like anybody who didn't know about what happened, or at least in the, this version of the universe that is going on what happened to him so Lex gives Porky a job as his head of social media because because LexCore is trying to do their own social media platform uh, and Porky who says himself doesn't know that much about social media uh, is put in charge of it and a, and a, a few other things in the, com- in the company but he finds himself not being able to take care of some stuff that comes up. And also, there are some things with the social media platform uh, that are not quite right, because it's like score, of course. But 
there's a musing uh, page where Lex is trying to show off said, you know, um, so, social media platform, you know, in Jobsian style. And uh, and they're doing a live demo on stage. And, of course, there's a tweet because it's basically a Twitter kind of clone. So there's those parallels there. Um, uh, where a tweet that would probably not be seemingly for such a platform gets uh, shown on the screen during a live demo. And, you know, that causes some problems between Lex and Porky. And it goes on from there. Like I said, that one I have to... I had to reread because I didn't really get fond from it, but it, it was like you could see the parallels there with what I just said. The one thing that this this book did actually uh, bring up is the fact that where in the world is Petunia Pig? Like she shows up in this issue, or at least a version of her shows up in this picture, and they say what happened to her in this issue. But I was like, they never really she doesn't really show up in the Looney Tunes that much anymore. At least as far as I know, because I don't know if they're even making any more new. Um, well, they are. I know they are. Now that I think about it, but regardless, I haven't seen them. So yeah. So those are the four Looney Tunes uh, DC crossover books for, I guess, this year. Well, not even this year because they had some of uh, um, a little few months ago. If I'm not mistaken, because we did talk about them then. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do any more this year, but I can't imagine what they have left to do. So. Um. They've also been doing those. They've they've kind of been blending some of the crossovers with the the Hanna Barbera stuff too, because there have been so the Hanna Barbera stuff has been kind of completely separate universe, but they have had a couple of uh, like DC Hanna Barbera crossovers, and those were the last ones they did a couple of months ago. Like there was a Aquaman Jabba Jabberjaw one, uh, Black Lightning Hong Kong Fooey. That's separate from this, but it was kind of a similar. Uh, similar vein of crossover where they basically DCI's the the Hanna Barbera cartoons that they uh, characters that they use. Some of those were pretty good, but you know these are I don't know the these crossovers have been at least some of these crossovers have been a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, but those some of those were actually pretty good. Like the Hong Kong Fui Black Lightning one was interesting and weird. I kind of actually would want to see a book of them, them two together. Weirdly enough. You know, Hong Kong Fui being kind of slightly of a could be a problem. I don't know at this point. Like, you know, I grew up in a different time, folks. Anyway, that is that is the um, that is the the DC uh, Looney Tunes crossovers for that. And I think the last book I have now, which is the one I just skimmed right before uh, coming to, uh, starting the show, and that is Extermination. Number two. So this is the big X-Men crossover book for this year, or crossover title for this year, where it's kind of centered around the young, time-displaced uh, X-Men of the original team. Uh, we find that someone's been snatching the... Uh, basically been targeting and snatching the young members of the team. They, at this point, they got a couple of them. There's been a couple of people that are dead. Uh, not from the original displaced team, but from other X-Men related characters, um, spoiler alert cable, the old cable, as we know is one of them. One of them, the other one is a version of storm who was a vampire, which I did not know too much about, but nevertheless, 
that was which I, I neglected to mention this last time. I was like, yeah, it's always the black people that get killed first in these things. Anyway, um, and young Iceman, and as of this issue, young um, Angel have both been taken. The X-Men at large are trying to put a plan together because an old villain named Ahab is involved and Rachel knows fully well about them. So... Uh, and who has a part of this some kind of way, but they're not sure how, and they're trying to figure out who. And they're at the end of last year, uh, last issue, they found out that there is a young version of Cable, who was the one who um, killed the two characters, including who killed the old Cable and the other Bloodstone character. So we're still trying to figure out what that's about. And what he wants with the the uh, Young Times Displaced X Men, which hasn't necessarily come out yet, but nevertheless, you know, things have been said. So the X Men try to exact a plan to where they're gonna sp- they try to split up the rest of the uh, young the the young original members so they could protect them. But Young Cyclops ain't having it, and which causes um which causes the second person to I- eventually get caught because you know they're outside talking and then a fight happens and then it gets caught so um that happens and also we come to find out that um as they're trying to you know split up the 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 young crew into people that's into four teams that are going to be being protected by other members of the x-men uh, young Jean Grey was like, no, I'm not going with this team that you want me to be with. She wants to go with X-Force, which basically are the killers of the crew, of, of the X-Men, of the crew. So, and I think there's um, a possibility that she might be with them, at least according to solicits, that she might be with them permanently. We don't know. That's what I've seen some art- articles speculating on that. But we'll see how that played out because this is still a thing that's going on, but it sounds like that could be a permanent placement for young Jean Jean Greasy, um, but yeah, Extermination Two. I, I'm, I'm this is another one I'm probably going to go back and reread too because I kind of just like to kind of skim through it. But the gist of what I just told you is going on there, and um, Extermination One was a pretty good issue I thought, and this one seems to be pretty pretty good too from what I've read and it's last skimmed. Um, you know how that fares for this uh, event book? We don't know, but um, we'll see what's coming out of it. It's not like the first time the X Men have been up against extermination. Definitely not the first time the X Men have uh, gone up against some of the people, or at least a couple of people that um, that are involved in this. So there's a couple of moving parts that are going to get rectified in the next couple of issues, I'm sure. And as far as I know, this is not crossing over into any of the other Xbox, at least not yet from what I've seen. So I don't know if they're keeping it just to a main issue, which is great because I get, you know, granted I'm not reading in many of the Xbox anyway, so it kind of doesn't matter on that front, but I kind of hate it when crossover, when, when event books cross over into books that I'm reading and subsequently not reading, which, you know, and a lot of that stuff doesn't end up being a whole lot of times germane to what's going on in the story. Some of it is, some of it isn't, you know. But this one seems to be 
going in standalone fashion. I could be wrong about the fact that it's going to cross over with other X books because we just hadn't got to that point yet, or I haven't read them because, like I said, I don't really keep up with X books yet, and I don't remember seeing anything in the back of the book um, about that. But then again, I could have just glossed over it. Regardless, that is Extermination Two, um, and that is the end of all of the books that I've read slash skimmed. So. Now, oh geez, I just remember something I need to do. So, but before we do that, I'm going to get to the clicks of the week. And unfortunately, I only have a couple because listen, uh, the other guys are doing, you know, handling life stuff. But luckily, a couple of them uh, sent me their clicks of the week over our back channel. And the first one I have is Agent 70's pick which is Marvel 2 and 1, number 9, which he says, sadly, it's the only book he's read this week. But, you know, that was a good book regardless. So, it, you know, I think Marvel 2 and 1 for, I can safely say half of the crew is the one that we kind of, is in the pile of books that, hey, you got to get to this one first, you know, because of what's going on. In the, and it's just been generally good. So that is a pretty good pick uh, from there. And we also have Tim's pick, and I don't think he said anything about it. He just said that it was. Yeah. Extermination number two is Tim's pick. So Tim being a big X fan, that's, you know, not outside of reason, but extermination has been so far pretty decent. So that's not to say that it's not without merit. Uh, for myself, this is a kind of a toughie actually, because you know, anytime Miss Marvel comes into play, I'm and it's usually pretty good to warrant it. I would generally go ahead and pick that one, and then it, that's not to say that it could not happen in this case. But nevertheless, uh, it's kind of a cross between Miss Marvel thirty three or Exiles number seven. Even though <laughs> Exiles number seven kind of kind of caused a reaction to me that was like, oh man, really. But, like I said, you can read that for yourself if you get around to it. So, I'm going to quickly mm, try to suss this out because there's no one else here. Uh, hmm. I may be thinking because of said reaction that I had to it. Um, you know what? No one else is here to stop me. I'm going to say... No, I'm not going to do that. That's not... That's, that's, I was about to say, I'm going to just do both of them. It's going to be Miss Marvel number three and Exiles number seven because no one is here to stop me. Huh? huh. Um, so, yeah. Exiles number seven. I'll, I'll go with that one. Like I said, Miss Marvel 33 was really good. And the whole Rube, that whole um, Rube Goldberg page pages slash acting contraption thing. I love that kind of stuff. So, you know, that will get me pretty much any time. And again, Miss Marvel's a great book. You should really check that out. You know, it, it is... I know some people would like to say that it's geared towards, one, a younger crowd and two, girls. That's not the case. I mean, comics are for mostly everybody, except for comics, comics gate people, but they're trash. Anyway, we'll get to that later on in the show, but not, not that much, because that's a really tiring subject um now since that is all dealt with and all nice and neat uh and i totally forgot to do this 
earlier, we were going to do an ad read. Actually, I forgot to pull this up earlier. So hopefully I can find this really, really, really quick. And common sense would have been like, hey, why don't you have a link to this? Um, and you know what? I am telling myself that. Um, and I'm telling myself, self, I agree with you. Here we go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do something with that just in case this comment comes up again. But nevertheless, let's put out a script. I am not going to do that one because I should do that one. Next time I'm, I, there's one I keep threatening to do, but I'm not gonna do it this time. I've done it before, it's kind of funny. Uh, let's see, so we'll start off with, here we go. Our first ad read for tonight is for Funko. Fun at first sight. Fun at first sight, folks. Your home for exclusive collectibles, apparel, and brand merchandise. Uh, you know about Funko Bobs. Come on, don't act like you don't. You, If you have not seen them, you know somebody who knows them. You, you know me. I collect them all. I got, well, I don't have any handy. But. Nevertheless, Funko Bobs. They're cute. They're fine. They come in all shapes and and pop culture references you should go get some they're good um actually you probably shouldn't but they they can be addictive regardless um and now for the listeners of the combo chronicles podcast you can can enjoy 10 percent off your entire purchase when shopping at funko to place your first order with 10 percent off and to help keep our show for free for you go to our network website at cspn.us that's cspn.us and then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link uh, at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. Uh, when you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10, all one word, for your 10% discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And they got a lot. Of, they, they have stuff going all the time. So, man, if you, yeah, you should be able to find some Funko stuff good stuff so anyway um we are now going to the news section do 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 do, do, do. i kind of wish i did have the uh sound effects but i didn't but i don't have mine set up and ready nevertheless that doesn't matter the show goes on and so do i with the cinematic news uh and i'm gonna try to, to get through this relatively quickly uh, first off, Legendary acquires rights to My Birth Boyfriend is a Bear graphic novel. Uh, Hollywood Titan Legendary Pictures have acquired the rights to yet another graphic novel. Because, yeah, that is the thing to do in these streets nowadays. Just um, good for the comic creators and, and, and what have you. I, I can't say that it's shown to be um, reflective in comic book sales as much there's there's it goes back and forth on that but nevertheless it is a thing because comic book books uh, comic books to uh movies and tv shows are a big thing and i feel like they're trying to kill it just like they've done with young adult novels and everything else that happens and and that gets to be popular and big and a thing you know but we still have cop shows lawyer shows and you know uh, medical shows every few years so 
you think that's an aside? It kind of is. But nevertheless, it is a thing. So according to a variety, Legendary picked up Oni Press's My Boyfriend is a Bear, graphic novel written by Moana, co-writer Pamela Rabone, and illustrated by Kat Ferris. Uh, Rabone will write the screensaver, screenplay, excuse me, and executive produced with Alex Hersberg, uh, Joe Nazimak, and James Lucas Jones, and Charlie Chu of Oni Entertainment, will, uh, who will team up with them to co-executive produce. Uh, and, and, yeah, production duties are by some other people. So, My Boyfriend is a Bear is about Nora, who finds true love with a flannel-wearing 500-pound black bear after a succession of bad relationships. Can you imagine being in so many bad relationships that, that your best option is, is a bear in a flannel? There are people out there screaming, yes, right at this very moment, and I feel your pain. I really do. Um... However, their love is put to the test because, never mind, I'm not going to go there because that's probably not a good thing to say. Anyway, uh, however, their love is put to the test by hipsters, friends who don't understand, and the bear's hibernation cycle. So I've never read this, so I don't know. Um, but it's a thing that is coming. We don't have a date for this yet, but hey, at some point, it'll be out there. You can go check it out. Again, stay away from yeah, <laughs> some real life allegories probably. Um, sorry, next up, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three delayed indefinitely by a report. So, given the hubbub, uh, actually, I just thought about something. I should have moved the a. Um, I should have moved something, uh, but I didn't because I'm tired of talking about it. But nevertheless, we're gonna do it anyway. So, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy has been kind of up in the air because of the, the hiring, uh, I mean, before the, because of the firing of James Gunn uh, within the last month or two. Um, you know, people thinking, you know, people are protesting and, you know, uh, people are up in arms, kind of, sort of, for rightly so, kind of, sort of, you know, it's because it's a real... It's a real bad look all the way around, realistically. And we've already talked about this before, so we're not going to go back into it. But it was kind of bad form for Disney, the way they handled it, and the reason why it happened. Um, yeah, that's kind of bad form, but at the same time, look, it's Disney, it's their company, they can do what they want, and, and they clearly have shown to do that. So it is what it is. And also, I will say again, life comes at you fast. And things tend to come back at you. So you, you got to be careful in these tweets about what you put out there. Because James Gunn put out some really bad tweets. Like, granted, it's some 20-year-old tweets that got him fired. And they were really bad tweets. And people were like, oh, he's changed. But they only say that for people they like and or people, you know, certain people, I would say. Certain type of people, I should say. Anywho, that is the thing. And uh, Guardians has been delayed indefinitely. Um, yeah, according to this, uh, the timeline has been pushed out and an unnamed source told the uh, Hollywood Reporter. So, we don't know. Like I said, this is just a report. It could, you know, it could be on hold indefinitely. It could come back to, to light at some point because, you know, yeah, things. It's, wow, it's the situation. And in that situation, Batista's still out there, you know, defending his friend and 
slams Disney, calls out outright personality who got gun fired. Um, so again, we won't have to go back on that, but yeah, he's still out. He's been out here for a time. And boy, it must be nice to have a friend like that who sticks up for you when they, you know, when things happen. Yeah, I'm just gonna let that roll because there's things I can say say on both sides of that, and yeah, we've talked enough about that. This was, that was the only reason why I'm just bringing it up now is because it comes up. You know, th- there's not much has changed with the situation, and I, which is the reason why I haven't really been putting it in the the lineup. So anyway, moving right along very quickly, Marvel Studios talking to Taika Waititi about future work, possibly Guardians of the Galaxy three. We don't know. That's me speculation, not them. Um, so, yeah, apparently Taika Waititi has had meetings with Marvel Studios, possibly for future work, according to Hollywood Reporter. You know, coincidence that is around the same time as the, the Guardians things going on. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But he's already a busy man and is doing some stuff. So we'll see. I mean, and it could be the fact that, hey, Thor Ragnarok was a really good movie that did well for them. So, hey, we want you to do, you know, we want you to do some more stuff with us, just like they did with the Russo brothers. It could be just as simple as that. And that has, has, and has nothing to do with the other issues that's going on. Although one could speculate that, hey, none of this talk was really going on after Thor Ragnarok came out and was such a big hit and it, that the fact that it's come this stuff is kind of being whispered about now could maybe have more significance than we're thinking. Regardless, it is at this point rumor speculation moving right along. Fans translated the Wakandan text on Black Panther's suit and it's really sweet. So apparently there's an Easter egg uh, in the Black Panther movie um, and some folks on Reddit apparently use the Wakandan translator as there are a few different ones of the Wakandan alphabet. Um, and apparently there was, um, yeah, there was some lettering on T'Challa's suit. Uh, let's see, as it powers up, if one looks closely, there is a scroll of Wakandan text that flows across the chest of the suit. With careful timing, the text can be seen and translated. And using the affirmation translator, um, it says, or at least it's stated to be said, uh, one prominent snippet towards the middle of the screen reads, I love you, mom, according to what this is, um, what this says here. So, yeah. Uh, next up, actually, oh, yeah, so, well, anyway, if you're watching the video, you, uh, you'll see that I'm scrolling, that I have the articles up as I'm uh, reading this, which is the thing I tend to do, and there was nothing I wanted to mention that I forgot to put in the, the lineup. Not necessarily car, car, car comic related, but kind of is because they these things have uh, comic book ties. Because uh, you, you some of you know about Nick Splat, and that's the service um, that is the basically the rebirth of the old Nickelodeon cartoons from the 90s-ish era, well past my time that are seeing new light again on we thought was a new service or I think they may be doing it right now on um, one of the Nickelodeon channels. I'm not sure. I don't have Nickelodeon. Sorry. Uh, but apparently a lot of those shows are now out on streaming um, and it is called Nick Splat as opposed to actually I think this is what it was originally called anyway. Anyway, so that stuff is out there and you can go get your 90s on. I know all you 90s kids are like yeah, all over it with that. 
So have at it. Enjoy. I don't know if it's a standalone website or if it's like, um, like I said, on, it could be just on Nickelodeon's website. Regardless, I'm sure you, if you haven't by now, you will find it. Maybe they'll be on other streaming services like um, Netflix at some point. If I come across another article about it, I'll, I'll put it out there. Anyway, Wesley Snipes is act- actively developing two ideas for Blade 4. I'm holding up two fingers like y'all can see me. Uh, Wesley Snipes sees fans that he could soon return his Blade thanks to discussion with Marvel Studios about a potential potential Blade 4. So yeah, if you didn't know, Blade was the uh, was the movie that could be credited, I would argue is credited as uh, being to setting off the MCU while not actually tied to the MCU, but the current slate of um, Marvel films could be credited back to Blade, the first Blade movie starring uh, Wesley Snipes. And Blade was a great movie. Blade 2 was pretty good. I still haven't seen Blade Trinity yet, but I hear that it's not so great. But, um regardless and obviously the blade you know movies were based off of marvel comics characters so there is that uh so if there's going to be a blade four then that could be something that's going ahead with and maybe possibly tying it into the mcu at large we'll see how that works out i mean you could do it you know i'm sure there'll be you know They've had marvelous ways of tying things together in the in the universe. So, but uh, apparently, Wesley Snipes was speaking with Vice to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Blade, which is happening or which has happened uh, by the time this uh, this um, this episode comes out. I'm not sure the exact date. Wait, uh, does it say? Yeah, I don't know if it does. Regardless, 20 years ago, Blade. I'm feeling old. Um, Snipes confirmed he is currently working on a way to continue the franchise and says there is a lot of conversations going around right now. We're very blessed to have the enthusiasm and interest in something coming from that world again. Now, okay, we see Blade 4. And yes, the Blade license has is falling back to Marvel. In fact, I think that happened a couple of, a few years ago. It says here 2012. So yes, I remember that. I think a couple of things went came along in that. Excuse me, something smelling something real weird in the house. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, um, I don't know what this um, other Blade project is talking about. So, but oh, it says here it could be working on a Gritty Blade TV series. Granted, okay, guess what? There's always already been one star- starring uh, Sticky Fingers of uh, the rap group Onyx. Yeah, I know not too many pe- of you people know that one. But that one kind of lasted a season or two. And I do remember there was supposed to be rumors of a Blade series starring uh, Blade's daughter, basically. I don't know if that's this. Because that was something rumored uh, like last year or so from what I remember. But nothing came to light on it. Um... And there was also, as this article says, Kate Beckinsale sparked a rumor of a Blade Underworld crossover uh, from a couple of years ago. And I don't know if that's actually ever going to happen or not. Regardless, hey, you know, putting Blade back in the MCU proper, that's that could be interesting. Um, but so we'll see what happens with that. Because like I said, nothing of the other Blade projects outside of that one TV show has um, has manifested yet. 
I think there was even supposed to be another. Yeah, there was supposed to be an, another book starring uh, a comic book starring Blade's daughter. Now I know the Marvel Knight stuff is coming out, and I think Blade is supposed to play a part in that. Uh, whether it's gonna a book comes come out of that or not, we don't know. Or that Blade's daughter thing with um, a full Richardson attached to it, as I remember from last year, rumored is gonna still come out. Because they haven't said anything about that in a while, and which kind of leads me to believe that they probably just swept it under the rug. But I don't know. Regardless, that's a thing. Fans demand the Captain Marvel trailer in hilarious video. So apparently, some fans made a. Oh Jesus! If you're watching the video, I'm looking at the start of the trailer where you see four dudes in questionable mask and one dude kind of looks like a something himself wearing a cap uh, jersey I mean a cap t-shirt uh, apparently this group of fans in Atlanta Georgia r- really want the trailer so for two minutes they delight and cavort in homemade masks in front of a camera shouting their demand for Marvel Studios to recruit, to release the official Captain Marvel trailer stat because that always works well and yeah, I I have not watched this video. I feel compelled not to because just looking at this thumbnail, this is at best questionable. Not saying they didn't do it, but uh, four dudes talking about they want to the, be the Captain Marvel trailer. Dudes are basically been the problem in comics lately, or in general, anyway. Uh, but it says here. Uh, in addition to issuing a deadline programming their love for Larson and randomly breaking into French, the fans in the video, all of them male, as the article points out, make a compelling point of, about the MCU's first movie led by a female superhero. Uh, women, they argue, have had the benefits of seeing plenty of quote-unquote beautiful boys in Marvel's film. It's time for us to have a beautiful, strong lead woman. I mean... Part of that is is questionable, but they're not wrong. Like you know, the whole. You know, anyway, to drive it home, there's a brief gallery of Marvel's men and their abs to set the refrain for nobody. Okay, see, again, questionable at best, but I'm sure their heart. You know, I'm not even gonna say. It. I'm not even gonna finish that statement. Their heart was somewhere we don't know where it is, and yeah, that's the thing. You can go seek it out if you want to. If you've seen the video, you see where it was. Um. Disney streaming service has a name and potential price point. So Disney's must have discussed uh, subscription streaming services reports. So how to say that five times fast is reportedly called Disney play and will cost viewers less than the competing Netflix. So I feel like that part has already come out before, but I, I I'm not sure I could be wrong. Um, so there's new details about it. And, um, the, in a variety feature about efforts by Disney and the rest of Hollywood's old guard, quote-unquote, to catch up to Netflix and its imitators. The House of Mouse's answer, of course, is uh, its own branded streaming service targeted in, to launch in 2019 with such heavy, heavy hitters as a live-action Star Wars series by Jon Favreau. We've talked about some of the stuff that they're supposed to be having in, the, in, the, um, in this said service. There's some Marvel shows and some remakes that are supposed to be um, happening on the server service as well. 
So can we get to a price point? Um, so, okay, according to this article, which looks like speculation, this, the fees could be lower than 8 to 14 for Netflix. Um, there's an analyst said that it could be like 6 which, I mean, that uh, if I'm not mistaken, the um, the DC service is supposedly around that price, so that will be comparable to that also. Which, it's a streaming service, you know, it's Disney. Granted, they have they have deep pockets and a and as much of a, a deeper um, <laughs> a a deeper bunch of IP that they can uh, throw on the service. So service. So it could very well be worth it if you're a Disney fan and a fan of its properties. One being Marvel, the other being Star Wars, and like I said, Disney in itself and Pixar. So, yeah, they have the stuff to kind of probably make it work, whether it will or not. Streaming services, there are a lot of them at this point. Too many, I would argue. So that's the thing. We'll see more of that in the future. Um... Robert Downey Jr. gave Chris Evans a Captain America-themed Camaro. For what reason? Uh, So, yeah, they're friends. Oh, so apparently in the latest episode of Jay Leno's Garage, which I didn't know was still on, so where he goes around and, you know, he's a big car nut, so he goes around showcasing weird cars and whatnot. So apparently... Uh, Leno showcases a 1967 custom-built Camaro that Robert Downey Jr. gave to Chris Evans on the set of Avengers Infinity War. And you can see the thumbnail of said car, which, not being a car guy, looks pretty cool, if that's it. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a video out there on YouTube. It says, uh, Camaro's Captain America theme, without being obvious about it, instead of having the obligatory red, white, and blue color scheme, the, the vehicle is far more muted. If you and features the dark military paint that seems to call back to Steve Rogers' days in the army. So, I mean, from this picture, it looks like the the blue shields kind of suit. But again, I'm not looking at the video, and I can only see the steel. So, it says uh, the steering wheel features the silver Captain America shield logo, and the interior of the car contains a commemorative plaque, which reads 1967 Camaro RS, Steve Rogers, Special edition, custom built for Chris Evans by Speedcore. Don't know who Speedcore is, but I imagine they pr- they they pimp people's rides. Um. So yeah, that's the thing. That's a hell of a gift. Must be nice. Um. Why wasn't it a motorcycle though? Huh? 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 Anyway. Um. Alice Eve's Typhoid Mary shows her faces ahead of uh, Iron Fist season two. So yes, we now we have known for a, at least a week or two that Alice Eve is going to play uh, Typhoid Mary. Um, Alice Eve has done a lot of stuff, most notably uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, where she played uh, Carol Marcus. And uh, so she yes, she's going to be Carol Marcus, and apparently this is the picture of off of um, hmm, interesting. Here's a couple of pictures off of the Iron Fist Instagram showing Alice Eve. Which, okay. Sure. Um, Iron Fist Season 2 is going to be shortly coming, now that I think about it. Uh, Yes. September 7th. I have still yet to finish watching uh, the first season. 
but I'm only forward. Like, well, yeah, I'm on uh, episode nine still. I can blow through that. That's not a problem because I did start it, but I had other things come up. So by the time this comes up, I can. Uh, who am I kidding? I still got to watch the other stuff, so I'll probably get to it when I get to it. First season so far has eh, been all right. Um, but moving right along, Tom Hardy signed on for three Venom movies. Nobody wants the first Venom movie. That's just me speculation. You can you know, combo chronicle. And you know what? Don't do that. Never mind. I was going to say something. Um, but hey, if you have, you know, you got thoughts on it, let me know. I don't know. Let us know if you wanna. But I think it's afraid to safe to say that eh, not too many people want this. Um. Oh. Okay. So. I apologize. So shout out to Matt Wang who um who is watching the show live apparently, <clears throat> and I hope who is doing well. And uh, there we go. So he says. Actually, let me see. Wang likes tea. Wang reads no books this week, but we will hop on during the news and uh, and represents like a B version of Agent Seventy. <laughs> I, you know what? I kind of wish I had you on the show. We need to get you back on the show, uh, Matt. You know, so. But I know you're busy with the, with the little ones and, and all you that you do. So, you know, thank you for coming by. You know, as you as you do, we appreciate you all the time. Uh, he also says the Blade TV series on Spike TV. That's right, it was on Spike. Uh, only lasted one season. Yeah, I never actually got a chance to watch it, and not well, partially because of. Um, because of interest or lack thereof, but because it didn't have Spike TV, so because I have the very basic cable package from AT and T, which sucks. Ah, and I lost my other links to um, my other connection to um, <laughs> to other streaming services. Sadly, so kind of asked out for the time being. Anyway, um, Matt also says the announced Marvel Blade series with his daughter. <clears throat> By Tim Seeley was pulled by the writer. He did not feel like he could do it well, and he sends me a link to said article. Okay, so thank you for that. I I knew something happened with that, but I wasn't so sure why. Hmm. Wow, this is from a couple of years ago. Wait, I feel like we may have talked about this. Like, yeah, it's because he's given me this article from a couple of years ago from um, basically IO Nine, and I feel like I have seen this before, and we we may have talked about it back then. I just don't remember. So yeah, Tim Seeler was supposed to write the book, and, and apparently it didn't happen because of because of what I just said. Matt told me, which, given the light of, um, I wonder having to do with, you know, having creators of color and also and or creators, you know, of uh, not male creators on books is a thing that should be happening more often, but it's not, although it's slowly starting to, I wonder if that could be his reasoning for why he said he couldn't, he or he just generally felt like he couldn't do it. Cause that's the thing that rarely ever happens in comics, you know, without a reason or two. So, so thanks for that info, Matt. Appreciate you. Um, but yeah, back to this Tom Hardy thing. Nobody wants this. Who cares? Um, I don't want this. Let me first, I'm speaking for myself. And I think we have talked about it before that no, not really many people, especially since it's not going to be in canon with the other with the Spider-Man books, because you know Venom, Venom is a Spider-Man character. Why? Anyway, uh, the, hey, guess what? Venom's coming out October fifth. It's a thing. It's going to still happen. 
Um, so wait, does it say anything? You know what? Who cares? I don't care. I'm moving along. Uh, st- episode Star Wars Episode Nine enlists Lord of the Ring actor Dominic Monaghan. So Pippin, wait, is it Pippin or Mary? Mary? One of the one of the doggone hobbits. You know, you know that name. Um. And yeah, he was on Lost. I've still yet to see a whole lot of what Lost, and I don't care to, so don't at me. Uh, so according to the deadline, Monaghan has been added to the cast in an undisclosed role. It's his second major film franchise, you know, because... Oh, Mary, thank you. So it is Mary. I was right. Well, no, I was wrong, because it was Pippin. Pippin saw the Jew. Um, he was also in Duncan Jones' Mute earlier this year. So good for him. I guess they're going to blow out episode nine because... Not only is he going to be a part of the cast, but we've come to find out that Matt Smith, the Doctor Who, that's right, folks, Doctor Who is going to be in um, episode nine. Let that sink in. The Whoverse crosses over with, which is actually probably not the first time that I think about it, that the crossover, and I'm probably just blanking on who else was in it. Regardless. Matt Smith, the, what is he, is he done? You know what, he's, he was Doctor Who. I think he was like 10th Doctor. I don't remember. I lose track of whoever the heck was who. No, wait, he was the 11th. 11th Doctor? Regardless, you know Matt Smith. He was Doctor Who as recently as a few years ago. I'm, I know my Who cred has all, already been shot because of that one, and I'm not going to look it up because Research Kills Podcasts, so they keep telling me. Regardless, uh, let's see. Sources tell Varley that the Crown Star Matt Smith will be joining uh, episode 9, which is currently in production in the UK. It is unknown whether the Doctor Who alone will be on the side of the Rebels or the Evil Empire. I'm going to go ahead and suit my side and say he's going to be uh, for the Empire. I'm just saying most of the Empire have British British accents. Well, excuse me, they're usually done by British voices slash British accents. I'm, I'm just saying like yes, Daisy Ridley and both John Boyega are playing rebellion characters, so that's not always the case. But I'm just saying, the Empire has been has always had a more British spin to it. You don't need to take my word for it. You can go back. There's like eight, nine movies that kind of can, can justify my, my 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 thought pattern. It's not a hot take. It's just a truth. Uh, granted, with the exception, with, uh, exception of uh, Darth Vader, played by Dave, James Earl Jones, whatever. Don't at me on that either. But you know exactly what I'm saying. That said, again, yeah, Doctor Who and uh, Star Wars meet. This <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Matt Smith's cool. He seems to be all right. I'm kind of surprised they didn't try to get Tenet. But it, it is what it is. Or maybe they did. We don't know. They chose Matt Smith for a reason. I'm not saying he's not a good actor. He was, he was a pretty good who. Um, anyway, this new featurette introduces the characters of Star Wars Resistance. I have not watched this trailer, and I am going to do so. So, Star Wars Resistance is the new uh, animated series coming from Dave Filoni and crew. The same folks behind Clone Wars and Rebels. Both great shows. I still need to catch up on the last season of Rebels, although I kind of hate to because it's the last season and onions are going to get chopped. I, I already see it, probably. Even though I've been 
slightly spoiled on one or two things that may have happened already. Anywho, um, so the show's, yeah, the third animated series from the same crew, like I just said. Uh, in the future, Red, he explains that the show's main character is Team Fireball, not to be confused with Team Rocket. Uh, that was me doing that. Aren't caught up in, a, in the larger conflicts between the Resistance and the First Order. Instead, they're focused on the challenge of earning a living by racing speeders and starfighters from a base called Colossus. Definitely not to be confused with the X-Men. Um, and it kind and this article kind of goes through the the names of the character. Apparently, again, as, as we found out previously, Pro Dameron's going to show up at some point, and one of the characters meets him. Um. So yeah, I I need to check this out because um, uh, I am looking forward to seeing seeing this show and its different style. So that's cool. Uh, Arrow fans will never guess Arsenal's season seven role. Amel swears. So was, you know, the Arrowverse ambassador Stephen Amel, who obviously plays Green Arrow, um, the most probably arguably the most vocal of the Arrowverse folks. You know, whether by by his own, you know, by his own choice or you know, by the fact that he's being tested, which is I don't know. He seems genuinely, you know, in, into. The things. Regardless, um, he says uh, it's fantastic. I guess this was. Wait, where is this coming from? Uh, it doesn't matter. So Colton Hayes, who played uh, Roy Harper in um, in in Arrow, is coming back. We've we've talked about that previously, and apparently a lot of people are excited by his return. Uh, Stephen Amell says it's fantastic, man. I love Colton. So having him back is terrific. And you know his stuff this season. I could give you a, an hour to guess to pontificate. Wow, that's a big word from him uh, as to what he's going to be doing. And none of you would get it. It's amazing. Uh, Amell shared. So he's hot for it. But hey, we'll see. And I heard uh, season seven is supposed to be a little grittier in harking back to season one. I'm still like I still haven't watched season six yet, which I know is out on Netflix. But you know, hey, things, things, things. And other people chimed in on it. I guess there was a, um, you know, um, they were talking to a bunch of people. Uh, so yeah, a couple of people chimed in on it too. So I don't know. I don't have any guesses as to what he's coming, what his role is coming back to it. But um, I'll take a mouse word for it. Hey. <laughs> Uh, Supergirl's Melissa ben- ben- Benoist, excuse me, is excited to see Kara interact with Batwoman. So yes, Batwoman is coming to the Arrowverse, as we already know. And um, oh, sorry, this is coming out of Comic Con, which I'm going to assume that last bit of news probably also came out of. Uh, Benoist responds, uh, "I'm so excited to see Kara interact with Batwoman." As if the title didn't give that one away. Throughout the seasons, uh, Kara has had a few funny, quippy lines about Batman and her opinions on him. She's always the, and she kind of always thinks Benoist and notes not terribly wrong. Uh, we've always had those funny little moments, so I'm excited to see her meet Batwoman and see how they interact. It might be funny. Again, I'm just going to go ahead and put this as I'm behind on all these shows. So, but I enjoyed Super Scroll, not for lack, not for lack of any interest in it. It's just that uh, things been going on. So, in, in, in addition to her thoughts on Carazoral and Kate Kane rubbing shoulders in the crossover event, Midnoist also explained what else Supergirl fans can expect in season four. I'm not going to go into that just to say, hey, it's going to be, it's just, it's just going to be distant, different. Um, some things going on. So, because I haven't watched 
I haven't seen season three and I want to. And I will at some point. It's just a matter of me getting to it at some point. Um, hey, guess what, folks? Alec Baldwin cast as Thomas, Thomas Wayne for the Joker movie. Again, a movie that no one asked for. Um, however, just uh, this was according to Deadline, but just as quick as that happened, uh, Alex Baldwin's Thomas Wayne cheats death by quitting Joker movie before it even films. So basically... Yeah, they say Alec Baldwin, or I guess there was either rumor or report that um, that uh, Alec Baldwin was going to be Tom playing Thomas Wayne in the Joker movie. That's also the Joking Phoenix movie. Uh, the one, not whatever the other one is, I uh, should point out. But um, Baldwin took to to Twitter to say that, and I will quote it here, let me state for the record that I have not been hired to play a role in Todd Phillips' Joker as some sort of Donald Trump manic, uh, manique. Uh, that is not happening, not happening. So, because supposedly this version of Thomas Wayne is supposed to be a Trump-like, um, you know, Trump-like magnate. So, and also, as a tie, coincidentally, Alec Baldwin has played Trump on SNL a few different times. So, that's according to this article that, you know, that is a thing. So, yeah. Oh, wait. But it's not seems he's going a step further. Speaking to USA Today, the author's uh, statement confirming that he was leaving the film altogether, citing scheduling issues. And he says, I'm no longer doing that movie. I'm sure there are 25 guys who can play that part. Ow. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, like, look. Unless they're planning on doing, um, you know, the Thomas Wayne version of Batman. Somehow in this. Yeah, he shows up for a couple of minutes and then dies. We've seen that many and plenty of times. But apparently, anyway, that Joker movie is still on. Again, no one's asked for it. I don't know why this is happening. And I think there's going to be two of them. There's still going to be two of them. Why? Don't know. Uh-oh. I didn't do that. Uh, so there is that. Poop. Moving right along. Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam definitely happening. Having a script. Has a script. Because, yeah, this one's kind of been up in the air. But given the Shazam news that came out during Comic-Con, I guess he basically wanted to kind of kind of put it back out there say hey we're still good still happening hey don't you know don't count us out even though i don't think anybody's been asking nor look for it although uh this black adam film is supposed to be standalone and not if, if that is still a thing that is happening not as we know or as we have heard so far not connected so much with the shazam film that is coming out uh later this year although you know things could happen it could be a, like a you know a mid-title thing, and they might show some Black Adam. We don't know. Although they, I think they had ruled that out sometime a while back. So we'll see what happens with that. But hey, still happens. Still has a script. Light of day, we'll we'll find out. Constantine animated series. Oh God, my voice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Constantine animated series to air on the CW. So if you've not checked out the CW seed um, show. Which was pretty good, by the way. Um, from earlier this year. And I think there's another one that's coming out that's going to be in movie phone, but it's pretty much a continuation of that. You should go check it out. It's pretty good if you're a fan of Constantine. 
uh, Constantine, actually, the movie is on Netflix, by the way, and I have never seen it, but I am going to. Regardless, um, there's going to be a, and I know a friend of mine who is a big Constantine fan for reasons I'm not even going to either speculate, although I have good reason to, to know. Um, I, I mean, she just likes Constantine and, and the like, but not to make it salacious or anything. Anyway, Constantine, The Legends continues, which was originally broadcast on the CW's digital platform, just like I just said, uh, as uh, Constantine, City of Demons, will be broadcast on television this October. So they're basically... Okay, so they're basically putting out that CWC show on TV, which is weird because that's can't take no longer than like 30 minutes because it was only like six chunks of little small bits, which equaled up to about 20, 30 minutes. So, okay, this, hmm, this is less exciting than I thought was going to be. Uh, anyway, the special, hosted by Constantine actor Matt Ryan, will air on Monday, October 15th at 9 p.m., immediately follow the uh, Arrow Season 7 premiere, which I believe Matt Ryan, who is also on Legends of Tomorrow at this point, and has had some um, episodes of Arrow. So that makes all, all the sense in the world. Uh, the one-hour special will be followed by a sneak peek. Uh, at the upcoming fourth season of Legends of Tomorrow, which, like I said, we'll see Ryan who reprises his favorite, fan favorite role in live action uh, will, uh, with exclusive interviews with the, the cast and crew. So, you know what? They could have just brought back the live action show, which was on NBC and put it over to, to, NB, uh, to CW, even though, yes, there are a glut of... of um, comic book shows uh, and believe me I am painfully aware of this but that Constantine show was pretty good now it was on NBC and it was at a really weird time time frame and it was after Grimm which is a kind of a similar show so I assume they well they had reasons for that because I guess they felt that well hey it's Grimm it's the same thing well wouldn't they you know but uh, whatever it didn't need to be on NBC on that shot the show you know, because... And it ended with a cliffhanger. That was the thing about it. And a good cliffhanger at that, which I wanted to see, but we will probably never see the light of day on. And that's sad. So, yeah, they're basically re... Um, they, they're putting the CW seed Constantine animated thing back out on TV for a night. I was thinking it was going to be like an ongoing uh, animated series or something, which I should have known better. I really should have. So, if you haven't seen it on CWC, you can uh, tune in October 15th, which I guess, not another thing about it. Hey, in time for Halloween, perfect timing, I guess. Um, or shortly before Halloween. Regardless, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, let's see. Wait, what is what is going on here? Do, 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 do. Oh, I think I missed one. Uh, Supernatural's Jensen Ankles uh, meets Red Hood again in new photos. So, yeah, uh, Jensen Ankles of Supernatural fame, a show that actually probably needs to die at this point, played Red Hood in, um, shoot, in, or played the voice of uh, Jason Todd, I should point out, in un- Batman Under the Red Hood. Thank you. And I think he's done some other stuff uh, since then with DC Animated. I can't remember, but that one definitely he has done. Uh, so, yeah, here is a picture of him on his Instagram with the Red Hood uh, 
costume. So, yes, Jason Todd, meet Jason Todd, blah, 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 blah. So that's cool. Anyway, speaking of Batman's, Batman the Animated Series box set adds digital copy. Changes release date. Um, so, this is the Blu-ray box set which we've talked about before of Batman the Complete Animated Series. I believe this is also including... So this is the first two seasons of Batman the Nervous Animated Series. And I believe the... Uh, better, better, better. And Batman and Robin and the new Batman uh, Adventures also, I believe this is included, which is like basically season three and four of Batman TAS. But as you can see here, this is going to have a lot of stuff in it. So it's, it looks like it's got three Funko Pops of Batman, Joker, and Harley. Uh, you know, season discs. And apparently, according to this article, it's going to have digital copies, which, you know, I don't. I I have a DVD copy of that whole series. I ne- don't necessarily need a new copy of uh, Batman anime series, but I'm kind of seriously thinking about it outside of that digital copy part because um, I'm stupid like that. Nevertheless, October 30th, the collection is coming out also just in time for, for uh, Halloween. Uh, let's see. So, a slight delay from the previously announced October 16th. Excuse me. And like I said, uh, the answer is going to be three Funko Pops, which might be a draw. Eh, it's not enough for draw. I could just go buy pop sets. But anyway, uh, the set also includes a series of lenticular art cards. Lenticular is basically the, the art cards where the cards or like the covers that kind of have like you move them a certain way and they have diff- two different images on them. Uh, you you see one image one way you see the other one the other way so if you did not know what that was they made covers like that and yeah Uh, let's see oh the acclaimed animated that's right because they did say they were going to put it on the the streaming service which is coming up which I know they're starting to do stuff for um, because I know there's a daily thing we talked about last week that uh, Kevin Smith is doing uh, when the platform launches this fall, it's all in, in, its, in all its high definition remastered glory. So, so yeah. Also, the same it's around the same time as the um, as the streaming service. Then this set is going to be out. So you got your. So you, at least you don't have to be beholden to the streaming service to get your Batman animated fix. But I figure, like anybody who would would like this, probably already has a set. That's not stopping anybody from getting something. Lord knows I've got a couple of different sets of things that I didn't necessarily need to do. Um, but yeah, that is the thing. It is coming. No price. I think we may have already gotten a price for this previously, but it's not saying a price here. I would imagine that's got to be at least a good eighty to a hundred dollars easily. So that's the thing. Go get your fix. Uh, speaking of DC Universe, DC Universe's Titans series premiere date is revealed. Uh, so, there's a live action. If you didn't know by now, we've been talking about it. It's been over the places. There's going to be a live action uh, Titans show based off of the team uh, that is going to be on the streaming service. I am slightly debating on getting this service for science because I feel like you know, although I'm sure there are people, maybe Tim will get it, you know, for, for, you know, and talk about it for CBR. I don't know. I, I can't speak for him. Um, maybe we will. Hopefully we will. 
but I feel like I might end up at least getting the trial service to see what the hubbub is about for the, you know, for the first week or so. And I know with this Titan show, they're, they're releasing them like basically like, um, like network shows in weekly and not as, no wait, actually I'll take it back. Um, no, I'm sorry. That is not what I'm thinking about. They're putting them all out at one time, uh, like Netflix. Cause I feel like they did say there were, there was going to be a show that was going to be put out weekly or something, but I don't remember if that's here or not. Because all these streaming services and stuff starting to run together either way. So anyway, um, a world premiere screening of Titans first episode is scheduled for Friday, October the third, opening day of New York Comic Con, which I know, um, I feel confident in saying that probably. Shout out to to friend of the show Matt Wang and probably our very own. Actually, I do know that Agent Seventy is going to be there because he did say mention it something about that. Which he always goes to New York because it's right there. So. Um, whether we'll see something about that from there, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, after the show's DC Universe debut on October 12th, the 12 issue, the 12 episode first season is scheduled to air weekly. Oh, wait, so it, so it is a weekly thing. The 12 episode first season is scheduled to air weekly on Friday. So yeah, so they are putting them out uh, episode by episode and that all together. But either way, the streaming service is going to launch well before that. Uh, on September 15th, which is next month, at the the time of this recording. Like I said, we'll see. We may be talking... We will be talking about that in some final fashion, whether whether anyone on on the panel gets that or not, or maybe DC will be nice enough to send us a, you know, review code so we can go check it out. Maybe. 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 Anyway, a new Young Justice outside... What time is it? Oh, Jesus. Wow. I can talk. A new Young Justice Outsiders clip. So, Young Justice Outsiders, which is season three of uh, Young Justice, is still happening, as we have said in the past. Here is another clip on it. It is going to also be on DC Universe. Um, I have not yet seen this clip, but I'm. this would be the other reason why I would be getting... Which is sad, because there, there had to be a good, 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 good reason for me to plunk down the money to get that service. And I'm still not saying that it ever is, but some of the things they seem to be doing with the service could be all right. Cause it sounds like they kind of have a Marvel unlimited thing, um, baked into that service, which would also be another comparing reason for me to get this or to try out the service. And this is not a, um, commercial for this. Cause we don't know. I'm just saying science demands that this, these things be looked into sometimes. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that is that. Um, I would be looking forward to seeing young justice, Regardless, that was a great show. And season the, the prospect of season three is also great. Uh, Deadly Class, Tom Stevens joins the cast in a reoccurring villain role. So, yeah, Deadly, Ca- Deadly Class is, has been uh, made into a TV show, or is being made into a TV show, uh, and it's going to be on Sci-Fi, or a.k.a. Siffy, uh, for, for the hips kids. Yeah, um, I still never read Deadly Class. I think there's a reason for that. I'm not sure why. But Tom Caesars will be playing the role of Chester. <laughs> Chester Wilson, I guess known as Face. Uh, an antagonist from the male leads, from the male leads Marcus's past that is hell-bent on ruining the leads present. Yeah, okay, sure. I don't follow the comics, so I don't know too much about it. And, but it's a thing. More comics to stream. Yay. Um, 
now we are going into um, we are going into comic book news, and I w- would like to point out that uh, we have. If you are watching the show live, I tweeted out the show, and there is a link to the show notes in said the tweet, and you can find links to um, cl- the the show notes, which have, would have the clickbait section in it, which has some good stuff that I find out during the week, which we should probably have as an article or something on on the clicknation.com, but for some reason we haven't done. I don't know. Go figure. Um, but there's some good stuff like the, 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 uh, this. Well, we'll get to some of that already. Um, so we start off with the comic book news by saying 10 new woman creator comics to pick up this fall. Some of the ones that we already know, like uh, Jessica Jones is being written by uh, by uh, Kelly Thompson. That's already out. West Coast of Avengers came out last week. Also already out. Already started already. Uh, Catwoman by Joel Jones. House of Whispers uh, by Nalo Hopkinson. Don't know that one, but that's in the Sandman universe, apparently. Plastic Man, which has actually been a pretty good... Um, I've been enjoying that miniseries by uh, Gail Simone, who also writes uh, Domino, by the way. Uh, Man Eaters by Chelsea Kane, who is coming back to Marvel uh, to write... Oh, shoot. What are you writing? What is she writing? I forgot. It's not Mockingbird, although that Mockingbird series she did was great. I loved it. Um, oh, I can't remember what she's... I'm sorry. And it, Well, anyway. But she's got one called uh, Man, Re- Man Eaters. It has something to do with cats. So is this like that movie? Um, that Stephen King movie? I don't uh, that turned into a movie. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Juke Joint by T. Franklin is also coming out. And, of course, well... Wait. Yeah. Uh, Shuri by Nadia Corfor is uh, coming out and I'm excited for that one. I have already expressed my excitement about that when it was announced. Uh, the Unstoppable Wasp is coming back out. Now, granted, this is not written by, um, this is written by a man, but it's, um, but hey, this is uh, Unstoppable Wasp. It was a good, uh, it was good and it shouldn't have uh, got canceled. I don't know why it did. Still good nonetheless. Uh, and I'm just talking about the writers. I apologize for not mentioning the um, the artists, but uh, I have gone this far, so I'm just going to keep going and saying, um, Spider Gwen, aka Ghost Spider. She will always be Spider Gwen to me. Written by Shannon McGuire. I don't know who that is. Um, wrote by Rosie Campy. So I will have to look up who this person is. But nevertheless, um, yeah. I said, well, because some of the women and some of these weren't even created by men. Or it's not even being written by men. But anyway, regardless, that's the thing. You should go check out some of those books. As I would definitely say, Plastic Man, I've been enjoyed. I haven't been in West Coast Avengers against my interpretations that first issue was alright um yeah the rest of my head really known. Kelly Thompson has done some good stuff so you go, go check her check out her stuff uh yeah I'm not gonna spend too long on this one but Jeff Lemire and Bill Sinkovich denounce comic comics gate 
So there have been some folks bringing back Comics Gates, oh gee, including a couple of creators that I don't want to, um, I don't want to say their name. But basically, what happens in this case, I believe, from what I remember seeing on tweets, uh, Sikovich got pulled into this because some Comics Gate folks were saying that he would be for Comics Gate, and he came out and said, "No, no, don't you put me in that, Ricky Bobby." Um, and oh, that's right, because it started with um, Darwin Cook. They were they said so basically, Comics Gate people um, started saying Darwin Cook would not, as this thing would say, um, would would be down with Comics Gate. His widow said no, and they started attacking her. Um, and they also tried to pull in Sikovich, um, I believe, and he denounced that like relatively quick quickness and it's really a shame that this stuff is really that is going on because this is is stupid a bunch of stupid dudes thinking that comics are you know are only supposed to be one thing and i hope if you know any folks that would be down with this and i think you probably do you should smack those person people in the head five times really really hard um because this is not good for the the fandom and granted dudes Specifically, certain dudes are screwing and screwing up uh, fandom fandoms all across the board by doing stuff like this, acting like it's their property and it's you know that they should be the ones to to, to dictate what's going on. Um, so yeah, but as you can see from the the tweet here, one of the people, Ethan Van uh, Skyver Skiver, I don't give a fuck. He's, he's He's an ass because he's down with the, this comical comic suite thing and kind of brought that back up um, for some strange reason. And like I said, um, um, Darwin Cook's widow was being all kinds of attacked when she came out and said that Darwin Cook wouldn't be um, wouldn't be a part of this, even though like sometimes sometime after she got attacked, there were some other people that said the same thing and <laughs> some things calmed down for it, which is. That's the sad state of affairs, you know. So if you don't know anything about comics, yeah, just Google it, look at it up. But there's basically people feel like um, SJWs are taking over comic books and making everything PC and it's forced diversification and it's so stupid because comics could be and should be, you know, even if it is a fantasy setting, should look like the world we live in as far as the makeup of it, not necessarily the stupid thing that's going on in actually the world, but, um, you know, and we should definitely have more creators of color and, and, and gender, you know, doing as opposed to the same folks for 80 years, you know, writing all the books and doing all the creations behind it. But that's all I said. And I said, it wasn't going to stay, you know, on this very long, but it's just, sad when things like that just go on like it's going on in the comics going on in video games it goes on in media all across the board and I just wish all those those people like that would just die out those whole comic gate dumbasses just need to die I'll, I will go ahead and say that because we don't need that kind of stuff and in order for the media to grow we have to have more perspectives than the one or two idiots who think they own it you know because I, I feel like comics are a medium that is very versatile. I've said this before, and you know, there, it has room for a lot of different things and a lot of different people, you know, to make and do things 
and express things in it. So it, it's it's just a sad state of affairs. You know, that's my opinion. The, the other people on the cast may or may or may or may not agree with it. I don't know, but that's just my take on it. For as whatever it is. Anyway, I said I was going to move on, and here I go. Marvel TV is this new Defender series with original roster. So I think we kind of we may have talked something about this last week. I don't remember if we did or not. So, but there's been some teasers out there from teaser images out there from Marvel. Um, with the original Defenders, uh, which were um, Silver Surfer, Incredible Hulk. Uh, let's see, we've got Namor, and, you can, and Doctor Strange. I keep, you know what? I So I remember this group from back in the days. Back in the day, this was a weird, as I said on Twitter too, I think Matt Wang actually. Like, this was just the, the original WoW odd pairing for a group, as a, for a group dynamic. But, um, Marvel has kind of, and I said this before also, Marvel's kind of making old things new again. Like, we've seen the champions come back out in a new form, not necessarily the, the original group. And I'm kind of surprised at the restraint that they've not put, um, that they've not put any of the original champions in said book, although there have been some interactions with at least one in the Avengers. But, well, yeah, with that Avengers crossover, whatever the case may be. So, anyway, so yeah, so this, um, is excuse me i don't think it's going to be from what this is from what this is saying from this teaser and actually i can go on to this next one which basically um goes into the books in question so there is going to be what five books uh so there's going to each character or each uh, member of the team is going to have a book and it's all and the best defense is the basically the tagline of this whole little mini event um, so Immortal Hulk is going to have a book. Uh, Namor is going to have a book. The Doctor Strange, who's already has an ongoing out, and also Immortal Hulk is going to have a, a book or an issue and Silver Surfer. And it also culminates into a Defenders book, which kind of, if you think about the, the Netflix, uh, what's going on with the Netflix heroes books, kind of sort of like that. Um, I would imagine they, there was some inspiration from that, but it's not like they have not done stuff like this before. So, but yes, uh, Al Ewing, Chip Zdarsky, Greg Smallwood, Simone DeMeo, Carlos Magno, uh, Jason Latour is doing art and writing the Silver Surfer one, and Al Ewing, which is one of my favorite writers so far, or, or recently, is writing the Defenders book and the Immortal Hulk book, which is the book he's also currently writing anyway. Uh, Joe Bennett is doing the art for the Defenders book. Greg Smallwood is doing the art for Doctor Strange. Carlos Magno is doing the Namor book, which is Chip Zdarsky's writing, and S- Simone DeMeo is doing the Immortal Hulk book. I saw a tweet out there from, um, I, my mayor may not have been a joke, but, but I, it kind of makes sense that um, um, Kevin Wada was out there tweeting. To, was out there tweeting to uh, Sadarsky saying, "Hey, you're doing a name book book, and you didn't have me. What?" So, which you know, there, there's yeah. Kevin Wada is known for his um his his uh his gorgeous art style. Um, and would probably do some you know some do some marvelous art for a name book, and I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of bouquet in it also because that is some things that he does marvelously. So. That is the thing that is coming in November. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. 
And uh, like I said, those are the... Oh, sorry, December. Right there in big print. So yeah, December, that's going to happen. Um, I'm slightly looking forward to that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Next thing you know, they'll be bringing back Ecstatic or something. Um, where is our damage control book? Anyway, Jason Aaron, Ma- Mahmoud Asrar, and Isad Ribic lead new Con- Conan the Barbarian series in January. So if you're a fan of Conan the Barbarian, hey, guess what? There's a new ongoing coming. Um, Conan hasn't been back in with Marvel in a while. Uh, I don't remember when they had it, but they had the license like a long time ago, but now the license is back at Marvel. I feel like that was like 80s, because I feel like I remember that might have been early 80s or something. I don't know if it says here. But uh, yeah, Jason Jason Aaron. You know, I'd imagine coming off with Thor and, you know, for what he's done with Thor. I, uh, granted, it's going to be different, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm sure that lends itself to what he's, what's going to go into... Um, with this book, which is, like I said, again, slightly different, given the character of uh, Conan. So, hey, that's the thing. If you're a Conan fan, look forward to it. Uh, Marvel ties yet another major character to the Venom symbiote's history. And just like back in the, to the 90s, um, this character is getting way overused with, the, with his return, and that would be Wolverine. So this is a spoiler for Web of Venom v. Venom, which is out now. I have not read it, as, as we talked earlier. I'm not that big on Venom anyway. But apparently, yeah, Wolverine crosses paths with, um, has something to do with the, the Venom um, symbiote. Or, yeah, whatever. But And being that Wolverine's a long-lived character, sure, why not? Um, so that's the thing. Uh, some sad news. Spider-Woman co-creator Mary uh, Severin dies at age 89 which is sad so i i have heard his name in passing but i don't know so much about it but uh, from what i've been seeing out on the twitters and whatnot she is an awesome pencilist colorist who has worked for marvel well before there was a marvel because she apparently according to this she, she worked at ec um and then went to atlanta atlas comics and then atlas comics became marvel and then she was, was working on penciling and coloring, um, penciling on the Incredible Hulk series for the first five uh, issues of that one. She did a lot of Not Brand Eck, which is a series that I'm familiar of and, and loved and, and enjoyed. Um, uh, or at least later iterations, because I mean, I am old on this. Well, no, because that, yeah, because that, that was that was like a 80s thing, or 70s, or thing. Anyway, Not Brand Eck. This was the thing that I remember seeing and read a bunch of. Uh, she she was lead, Marvel's lead colorist uh, for a while, and she also created uh, Spider Woman, aka Jessica Drew, uh, back in 1976. Designed her iconic costume, and she in the 80s she began working on special projects for Marvel, doing a lot of like license work because she was so good at uh, her likenesses. So. Yeah, she was let go. According to this, she was let go by Marvel during their restructuring following uh, their late eighties, late nineties bankruptcies, and she continued to work at a, as an artist until retiring in the mid two thousands. So, and I've seen a lot of tweets from from creators about uh, you know what she meant to them. So that's always a touching thing to see, and it's sad to see it's, it's such a prolific creator um, die. She was also a Eisner Hall of Famer in two thousand one. 
So at least she hopefully got some hurt, some do uh, because of that. Um, also, the same day actually, uh, Coast. Well, this we find this out the same day. Ghost writer co-creator Gary Friedrich also passed away. Uh, also, a, a longtime Marvel Comics writer. Uh, who created, according to this, Ghost Rider and Son of Satan, which I had never really paid attention to who created either one of them. So, passed away to, on Tuesday at the age of 80, at 75. I believe uh, Marie Severin had a stroke. Is That was the reason why, why she passed. But, uh, yeah, following a recent stroke, and she was 89, so I forgot to mention that. My apologies. But, um, yeah, 75, Gary Friedrich died... Um, I don't know if it says here what from. Apparently, cousin of this, he had a lawsuit with our, uh, with uh, Marvel back in 2007, claiming that the rights to Ghost Rider defaulted to him in 2001. Which I feel like I do remember seeing something about that when they were trying to get Ghost Rider back into the fold for, or later on uh, when they were trying to get you know Ghost Rider back into the fold from. You know, for um, for cinematic purposes. Anywho, uh, he lost that lawsuit in 2011, but it was overruled and appealed in 2013. Uh, as of 2013, they were going to agree to settlement. I don't know why I just brought that up, but it's a thing that happened. Uh, but he's done a lot of things, including uh, Sergeant Fury and Howling Commandos, amongst other things. And he was a good friend of Roy Thomas, uh, longtime editor in chief. Um, and who um, Tony Isabella posted the, on Facebook from Roy Thomas about uh, the passing of Tom, uh, Frank, Frank uh, Gary Friedrich and I need to finish this up because I'm starting to lose it anyway my voice so yeah that's um, that is sad news to um, to creators in a, in a day uh, you know of um it's always a sad thing, especially, you know, looked upon folks. Um, but, yeah. Moving right along, uh, there's no real way to transition from that. Snyder plans the mysterious return of a DC icon in Justice League. Sadly, probably not. Sadly, not icon uh, from Milestone. Uh, what we come to find out. It sounds like Starman is coming back. Uh, Starman is a character that I am not the biggest I, I don't know too much about so we're just going to go ahead and say okay um, and apparently there might also be some jail um, justice society stuff may or may not come in, but be coming back at the same time uh, as this but you know Snyder's kind of playing some things come to the close to the vest but he just kind of let it out while he was talking that hey some things in the works this character's coming out and maybe possibly some stuff coming along with him so sure there you go um oh so looking at twitter let's see um Matt says, Matt Wang says, both Agent 70 and I will be at uh, Newark Comic Con. Our tickets have arrived, but we'll be going on different days. Aw. I want to see them to like put a, like do on video putting a report together from, from Comic Con, because that would be crazy. I would really like that. Just put them two in front of a character just going around on the show floor. Y'all, you know, y'all make that happen. Um, 
so let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Matt also says that my mother-in-law's good friend was her guardian. Oh, for we're talking about uh, Marie Severin. Aw. So that's that's an interesting interesting tie, but um, makes it just as sad. I'm I'm sure at the lost. Um. Oh, and I'm looking into um. Oh, so I'm looking in on, on Matt's timeline because I thought I saw something fly by. Uh, he also says that she was a class act and that he's so honored that she drew a Hulk piece for him and his wife for their wedding. That's awesome. And he also has it linked to the same article that I have um, about um, Marie Seren's death. So, okay. Um, so going back to that again and again, transitions are hard, folks. Um, next up, though, we were kind of already talked about it, so we don't have to do uh, go through this again. But comics and cartoons collide in sneak peek at DC's uh, Joker Daffy crossover. I've already talked about that book and the other books, um, in that crossover, so we're not gonna have to go through that. Sometimes I put the stuff in just in case I don't get to talk about it, but I did. Uh, Tom Taylor writes heartfelt farewell to DC's Injustice comic. Uh, so after six years, the digital debut of Injustice Gods Among Us, which I had, I've read the first arc and uh, and I love the premise of it, and I definitely love the game that that's that came after it, uh, that came from it, um, which is basically you know Mortal Kombat. Well, it's made by the Mortal Kombat um, folks, but no blood. It's just yeah, Injustice fighting game. There you go. It's a good one, by the way. If you like fighting games, it's a good one. Got a lot of got a lot of folks in it. Anywho, um, decent story, also. But yeah, it's the it's the fighting. Anyway, um, DC's Injustice Two came to an end this week with the release of its seventy second issue. Uh, leading writer Tom Taylor to reflect on the series in a heartfelt felt Facebook post. I'm not on Facebook, so I can't catch it, a lot of this stuff. So, oh well. And the video game know that Injustice Universe is a dark and violent place. And I just mentioned that. Uh, if you don't know the story of Injustice by now, you know what? Batman versus Superman could have made, and we've talked about this before when this came out. Batman versus Superman could have made an awesome, 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 awesome Injustice uh, movie. Could have. If they had just gone, kept going with it down that line, it would have been perfect. Didn't happen, and we got what we got, and there you go. So, yeah, um, see, on Facebook, Tom Taylor noted that uh, Superman remains his favorite hero, quote-unquote, so writing him as a dictator was initially a punch in the gut. Uh, However, the writer said that loving Superman, I think I knew how to hurt him, which is interesting, (laughs) something you don't hear that often. You know, Superman's kind of a hard writer, hard character to write nowadays, you know, because of power set and all that but this was definitely a different take that was I thought was awesome from what I've seen of it and read of it um so cool oh wait so Injustice maybe two maybe over but Taylor sees the possibility of more Injustice digital comics who knows we may be back one day and I know there's been some offshoots a couple of offshoots of that uh, universe that has happened in the last couple of years also so check out that um that that comic It, it, it was good it was really good from what I've read. I need to go back and finish reading 
or catch up rather because like I said I read the first arc or two and I'm like okay I like this but just a whole lot of stuff happened and I didn't get around to because there are a lot of comic books out anywho Wonder Woman 51 the overture to Steve Orlando's thesis on Diana so so Steve Orlando's run on Wonder Woman is coming to an end started with I think this this week's uh, fifth, fifth, uh, number 51 I think that is it was this week yes um, so he's going to do this and four more issues, and then according to this, wait, uh, Orlando's five issue. Oh, here we go. So his issue starts with fifty one. Then he's going to do four issues, which followed James Robinson, which is a writer I also like. Um, but then after that, uh, the series will participate in a crossover event written by James Tinney and the fourth. And then that's when we, as we've stated before, uh, G. Willow Wilson and Carrie Nord will take over creative duties. I'm not caught up with Wonder Woman, but I've been collecting them since I can't remember whose run I started with, but I know since uh, rebirth started, I think I've been, I've been collecting them. I did. I was reading them off and on also but yeah it's gonna happen so this was just an article that with um with an interview with steve orlando about uh, what's gonna happen in with his books or with his run rather so check it out wonder woman fans uh peruse the art of the 2012 teenage mutant ninjas turtles series uh, animated series so apparently there's going to be an art book on the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh nickelodeon season series Worth noting, and we've already talked about this, there is another uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series that is going to be on Nickelodeon again. Uh, coming soonish, I believe. I can't remember, but basically, this is an art book that is going to come out April 16th of 2019. Uh, it's going to be 184 pages and sell for 40 bucks. So, if you're a fan, you should go check that out when that happens. Just put a pin in that. Um, C. Hasbro make its first Power Rangers toy, a highly detailed White Ranger. So, a August twenty eighth was Power Rangers Day. It's worth noting. Uh, there were well, this kind of came out, yeah, before that, or at least this announcement came out. But I don't think there were any other announcements, with, which was a bummer. Um, but nevertheless, that was the thing that was that happened. Uh, recently so uh, Hasbro's first Power Rangers figure is a premium highly detailed look at White Ranger I could have sworn I have seen some Psycho Rangers figures that could be from another line from some, from something else but I've seen uh, Creator 2 showing off some Psycho Rangers figures I don't know what where that's from doesn't matter at this point but this is the White Ranger aka Tommy Oliver after his stint as Green the Green Ranger who he of which he transformed into after that got dealt with and used up. So we're going to go into this. Um, oh yeah, this also came out during the uh, Power Rangers convention, which I did not know that was a thing. I don't know why I didn't. Power Morphicon convention, which I did see some stuff from, which seemed like an interesting affair to go to if you're a fan. Um, so it's kicking off with a lightning connection of a six inch detailed and articulated action figures that will make use of the company's photo reel Technology to, to, fake, to depict the show's actors. And of course, they start off with the, the quote-unquote most popular one. Um, as opposed to just like the original folks uh, prior to. But then he's still considered, the Tommy is still con- 
considered an original uh, Power Ranger, so it is what it is. Uh, the process is the same as the one Hasbro, Hasbro already uses is for the Star Wars Black Series line of figures, which brings a high detail. Also notice, noting that Hasbro was the one that made uh, August 28th Power Rangers Day, and they also have the license for Power Rangers, and there's also another Power Rangers series coming out. Um, which I don't think I've... Oh, shoot. Did I... I thought I put that in the lineup, but I don't think I did. But yeah, there's a new... Yeah, we talked about it last week. Um, there's a new Power Ranger series coming out. So, yeah, that's the thing. That is the thing. Uh, it's coming to stores spring 2019. It will cost 20 bucks in the US. Um, which, actually, that sounds like a pretty decent price for, for that. And here's uh, If you're watching the video, you can see the, the figure in question. Which is the White Ranger and Saba. I know a little bit about Power Rangers, even though it's something that was past my time, at least the, the American version anyway. So, moving right along. Uh, Power Rangers fan gives Shattered Grid an anime style intro. Oh, good lord. Why am I doing? Ooh. Um, so, yeah, so the, the Power Rangers book has been going on, and the is in fact the conclusion to the Shattered Grid uh, event came out this week. I'm still a couple of issues behind. I wanted to talk about it, but like I said, I'm, I'm like good four or five issues behind, so I didn't get to, get into it. But that um, Shattered Grid event has been pretty good. I've been enjoying it. If you're a Power Rangers fan, you may enjoy it because it basically blends... Um, so, the, the the books itself is spans uh, Power Rangers and Go-Go Power Rangers, which I'm not sure why there are two of them. One handles the, team, the original team's life outside of the... Um, being rangers and then one is just them being the rangers and all out action uh that would be mighty morphin power rangers so and then there's a, a an event that's been going on between the two books uh mostly in mighty morphin power rangers called shadow grid it brings about a whole bunch of rangers you know in from different timelines uh and the bad guy is basically a bad version of um of uh tommy spoiler sorry and apparently there was already a death and some things happened and this one, like I said, it's been pretty good. Um, I'm kind of a, kind of sort of a Power Ranger fan and that's been, it's been hitting beats, interestingly enough. Um, so yeah, that's the things, but this YouTuber, Snappy Nights, created a, a uh, created a video. I have still not watched it yet, but I'm, I don't know what, so it could be stop motion. It could be using panels from the, the, the events or something like that. Um, but yeah. There's a, and I guess whatever music it's using is is fitting for the the anime style intro that it has. So you should go check that out. It's on YouTube. Uh, what comes after Power Rangers Shattered Grid? Which is a question I have had myself. Writers and editors answer. So um, Kyle Higgins has been the one has been the main writer on, uh, and I think he's also well, yeah, main writer and the one over this event and uh, Power Rangers. The Power Rangers book in general, the main one, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Somebody else writes um, Go Go, and apparently um, his time is coming to an end, and Marguerite Bennett is going to take over Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is kind of awesome because I love her. I, I do like um, Marguerite Bennett. She's she's an awesome writer. She's wrote uh, Josie, and, and um, she's doing some stuff for. Uh, 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 she's done some stuff for all over the place, but uh, Animosity, which is a book she's done after Shock, is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, she's written for Marvel and DC, you know. So she, I like her stuff. She's she's dope. She's yeah. 
So she's taking over for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So that ought to be cool. And um, this article just basically goes into what's going to happen after Shattered uh, Grid ends, which is, again, the conclusion of came out this week. Uh, Oni, Oni Dreams Up, Dream Daddy Surprise Comic debuting this week. So... If you're not familiar, Dream Daddy is a video game where you, it's basically a dating simulator where you are dating daddies. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, it's kind of a, it's been kind of sort of a, a hit uh, on when it came out and actually kind of still is. But it's basically a uh, dating simulator in the vein of visual novels like like most of those into doing. And now there's a comic book that apparently just came out for came out on the low from Oni Press. Uh let's see, you can pick up the first print issue with a cover by Chris Anka uh, at the Oni Press booth at PAX West, which I think is that going I think that's going on right now. Or either yeah, that is going on right now if I'm not mistaken. Um or it has gone on because I know also Dragon Con is also going on uh, next week. This week or next week? I wish I was there. I'm not. No, Dragon's going on this week, and I'm not there, and I'm mad about that. But hey, you know, no how the money you can't do you can't do some things. Um, and it's just well, that's a big show to go by yourself, and, and I've done it tw- a couple of times before, and it gives me the heebies all the t- every time. So maybe I'll go back one of these years. Either way, uh, so this Dream Daddy book by Oni is being being given away at uh, PAX West. Uh, in Seattle, but if you're not there, you can pick it up on Oni Press online shop, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be at Comicsology at some point, and it does say here, and also actually on Steam. So, digital versions of each comic are available monthly on Steam, Comicsology, Kindle, and more. So, Steam getting into comic books. That's weird, but again, there's, there's yeah, there's, I guess there's kind of sort of precedent for this uh, but yeah, you can sign up for alerts at whatever site here. So if you are a fan, you can also get it on Google Play and iTunes and basically the places you know to get it from. So if you are a fan of Dream Daddy, the uh, the uh, video game, go check that out, I guess. And then I guess it's an on- ongoing. Or is it a mini? It doesn't necessarily say. Uh, so the comics... Oh, wait. So here we go. Um, the Unimpress welcomes Dream Daddy, a new comic series based on the, the acclaimed game Grumps visual novel, video game, uh, blah, 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 invites you, invites player to Maple Bay, where they play as a single dad, new to town, and eager to romance other hot dads. Uh, and there's a lot of dad jokes in it, because I've seen that game being played. The comic series, by the way, uh, tells five standalone issues, okay, so it's five issues, um, each focus on a different Maple Bay dad. And I believe I've seen on Twitter that uh, Spike Troutman is writing the fourth issue. Yep, and it's right there. So, and we have the creative teams for all of that. So that's cool. Uh, you know, video games to, to um, video games to comics is not a new thing. But this was first time this one's something like, well, it's probably not the first time for even, even something like this. So, Cool. Uh, next up, a pair of new Last Airbender books will explore the origins of one of the most mysterious avatars. The world of Avatar, the Last Airbender has already expanded, so they've already got books on this stuff. And um, F.C. Yee, with insight from co-creator Michael Dante DiMartino, will pin a duology covering the life of Avatar Kyoshi. Uh, hey, that name is familiar to me. 
the the Earth Nation Avatar that lived hundreds of years before the events of Last Airbender. Last Airbender, by the way, Avatar Last Embro- uh, Airbender, also a pretty good show. I still haven't watched Korra yet, but I'm getting there. Um, so according to this, fans know Kyoshi has an interesting... So, yeah. If you know um, about Avatar Kyoshi, she has a, a quite interesting story, and this is absolutely true. Uh, so The Rise of Kyori is a book that's going to come out June 2019. Uh, doesn't necessarily say when it's coming out. It does say... Is, oh, wait. Uh, aside from being one of the one perpetual cycles of Avatar, fans know Kyoshi has an intriguing story to tell because she's actually one of the longest living humans around in the Avatar universe, having lived to the age of 230. The core continuation comic Turf Wars even revealed that in her long life, Kyoshi was openly bisexual. So it will be interesting to see if these two novels will explore that aspect of her life as well. Probably, I don't put too much too much into that because sometimes I kind of shy away from things like that, but we'll see. I, I, no, actually, I shouldn't say that. They'll, they'll probably they'll probably do right by it, I would imagine. Uh, so anyway, that's coming out t- uh, June 2019, and the follow-up is still undated. So, cool. Avatar fans, go check that out when it happens. Uh, last but not least, Amy Chu receives 2018 Korea Image Awards. So, uh, CC's Korea Image Awards honors individuals who spread a positive image of Korea on the global stage. Previous winners have uh, been the singer Sai, former United Nations Secretary uh, Bin Kai Moon, apologize if, I, if I'm not saying that wrong, and Pak Sarai. Sarai. Pak Sarai, excuse me. Um, Amy Chu, you know, that name should be familiar to you. She's She's written Red Sanja, Rod Sanja, Green Hornet, uh, Poison Ivory, Cycle of Life and Death. She's writing Summit now for Lions Forge, Captain's Prime. Uh, she's written, actually, yeah, she's written for Run D, uh, for DMC's imprint, DMC, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember her seeing her at uh, DMC's panel at uh, um, Heroes Con. Anyway, but she's been honored with the, 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 during a ceremony Wednesday evening during the Ninth Cultural Communications Forum in Seoul, Korea. The United States Ambassador to Seoul, South Korea, Harry B. Harris Jr., tweeted out a picture with he and her. So congrats to her. That is awesome. Uh, and that brings us to the end of this here show. And me stop sharing screen sharing real quick. But before that, we will get to another ad read. And I'm going to put in this one because I could use a drink right now for Wink Personalized Wine Club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrentes, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Uh, Ever try an, an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. I remember I was supposed to have something like that, and I didn't didn't do it. I wonder if I could still do it. Anyway, uh, Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink uh, choose and match to your tastes. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now, for the listeners of Combo Chronicles, you uh, you can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off of your order. To place your first order... Uh, with $20 off and to keep, help keep our show free for you, go to our network website, cspn.us slash wink. 
That's cspn.us forward slash winc. Wink wines through uh, CSPN. Do it today. I really should start having graphics up for this stuff. And on that note, uh, wow, good lord, I've talked your ears off. I thank you for anyone and everybody who has come by, who is listening to this. Uh, thank you, Matt Wayne, for for watching this. We appreciate you always and greatly. Uh, and anybody else who comes by here as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pardon me. But with that, I am going to get out of here because I've taken away too much of a time. Uh, but I will say uh, b- before we go, so one note for next week. Um, very exciting. We are going to have writer Brian Edward Hill on the show next week. That's right. And hopefully everyone else will be here next week. Uh, you know, or at least the majority of the cast will be here next week for that. But if you have any questions for, for him, so Brian uh, Edward Hill is the writer of uh, Detective Comics right now. He also wrote uh, Wildstorm Michael Cray and a bunch of other stuff, which we will probably get into when he is on the show next week. So, tune in for that. Um, and if you have any questions, use the hashtag ComeBookChronicles uh, on Twitter, and we will try to get to those when and if we see them. But until then, I be RoddyCat. You can find me at RoddyCat on Twitter, no underscore. News Nerds Need on Twitter, uh, News Nerds Need Reddit. Also, CB Caps, that's CBCEAPS on uh, Instagram, where I tweet out, um, you know, panels of stuff that I like doing comics every, or I try to do it every week. I don't always do it. Um, but that's, that is that. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Go check out him out. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com. And I need comics.com for his stuff over there for what he's doing. Um, Tim dad 98. That's Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. That's D click nation on Twitter. That's D K L I Q N A T I O N and CB cron on Twitter. He handles all of those sites, but he's also, uh, um, writing for CBR, so go check his stuff out there. Some we've um, put some of his stuff in the show notes, not because of he's Tim, but because you know they were relevant to the show, and also because of him. Regardless, we're proud of him. So you know, go support him, give him some clicks, go read the stuff. He's got some good stuff going on over there. Also, theclicknation.com, by the way, is, is his site. Um, you can also find this podcast on CSPN Network. That's uh, Coastal Listen Podcast Network CSPN.us. Go check out this show and other shows on that network. And um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. You know, Go over there and be like, hey, we love Comic Book Chronicles. Woo, it's the best show. You know, you know. Give, give us a little bump. Not saying we need it, but I'm just saying, you know, we, we, are, we are in an ocean of other good, good podcasts and, you know, we kind of want to be ne- recognized a little bit more. Um, that's me saying that, not, you know, whatever. Either way, it still stands true. Um, you can also find this podcast on, uh, Google play and Apple iTunes, AKA Apple podcast. You can also find us on the coastal other podcast, um, SoundCloud, uh, channel on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash cold dash slither. You can also go to shop.cspn.us and go get some merch from this fine show and other stuff. I do not have anything to show off the, uh, tonight uh, because I neglected to do that. But that being said, this is the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. Oh, 
Uh-oh. And um, we will see you next week. Have a good night, folks. <laughs>